Good morning, <laughs> morning everyone. Happy <laughs> Easter Chag. Hopefully you had a beautiful, beautiful Yom Tif. So we're going to start 63B. Um, the ten lines in the bottom. There was this alleyway, that in this alleyway lived a Lachman Baristak, a non-Jew. His name is Lachman Baristak. The problem is, if there's a non-Jew living, there's a Jews and there's a non-Jew, so you can't make a native. It doesn't help you to make a native. You can't include him in the native, and you can't, uh, nullification doesn't help for a non-Jew. So what do you do? They were stuck. So Amrlay, so they said, but what's the answer? What do you do when there's a non-Jew living? You, you have to rent from him the place. Rent us your place, symbolically. Le'egalah, refuse. He didn't want to. Also, I'm a little bit. They told Abaya, we're stuck. What do we do? Our, we, can't make, we can't include him in our Erev. And uh, he refuses to, to rent us. The only option. Abaya said to them, Nullify all your your, your ownership to one of you. So then you become like one. And if there's one Jew living... With a non, with a non Jew, you don't need a native. So at least, at least you help. But even though if if you make if you make one native, if everyone nullifies their property to the one Jew, so they are not allowed to carry. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to carry. He can carry. They are not allowed to carry. Um, from their, they can't carry from their houses to the, but he, at least, till now, nobody can carry, at least nobody can carry anything, at least the one that they nullified to, at least he, can, he, can, he gets to carry. He gets to carry from his house to the, to the, to the, to the courtyard, to the mavoy, and back. That she says, even for them it helps. Even though they are not allowed to carry from their courtyards to the alleyway, but at least in the in the in the in the alleyway, anything that was there in Shabbos, they they, they are allowed to carry. Now now, they're allowed to carry. Anyway, so that's a that's a, a whole discussion, argument in Rashi and and uh, the other Rishonim. This is a crazy story. All the people can say, but on a simple level, at least at least he at least one person can before can, the, before nobody could. Right, at least it, one. it doesn't matter about the Nachri, the Nanju, but the, the one guy can't carry. What does it do for the rest of the yeah. people that want to carry? Yeah. What's the reason? What's the reason why if there's one Jew with one non-Jew, you're allowed to carry, you don't need to do anything, you don't need to rent from him to allow you to carry. The reason is why, why did they, in general, it's not a problem. If there's a non-Jew living amongst you, a non-Jew has no connection to Shabbos. Right, so of course problem. you'll be allowed to carry. There's no problem. 
The only reason the rabbi said that you would not be allowed to carry unless you rent from him is because they were afraid, they didn't want a, a Jew to live amongst non-Jews. Because you may be influenced, influenced negatively, you have to know who your neighbors are. You should be surrounded with Jews who are on the same page as you. And so therefore, if you're living with a non you won't be allowed to carry on Shabbos. You won't be allowed to make a native unless you rent. And the non-Jew won't want you to rent, so you'll move out. <laughs> you'll make sure to move, move, in the, to, move to a Jewish neighborhood. This was during the time of uh, like 200 or something like that, uh, during the time um, of the... Yeah, how about the times? It was a few hundred years, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was unbelievable. Same yeah. problems then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it hasn't changed. <laughs> so he says, so if the... Oh, but, but that's only true, oh, but in the case of one. So he says, so in the case of one Jew and one non-Jew, why, why did we allow him to carry? Why did the rabbis allow him to carry? How much more so we should move out? If you're saying there's a few Jews who at least have each other, but if there's one non-Jew amongst them, you want to uh, make it hard for them and difficult for them, and you're not allowed to carry unless you rent, and you won't want them to rent, so they'll move or they'll get him to move. How much more so if there's only one Jew and a non-Jew? Surely you should not be allowed to carry. But the rabbi said, no, you don't have to worry about that scenario because a Jew is not going to live alone with a non-Jew. Mm -hmm. You know, in those days especially, there were heathens and pagans and, you know, he Very wouldn't trust his life. He wouldn't know what they were capable of doing, not capable of doing. So you don't need any extra encouragement to get the Jew to move out. He would do it on his own. So there's no need to make this enactment. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we revert back to the original law that says a non-Jew doesn't count when it comes to Shabbos. He's not part of Shabbos. So he doesn't prohibit you from carrying. So, but here, here you have people living there. What does it help me? What are you telling me, a legal legalese, that the, all of them become, nullify their property to one? So legally, is only like one person living there. So it's one against one. There's a rationale, there's a reason why the rabbis say that if there's one to one, you don't need to rent. Because there's only one person living there. No, one person's not going to live alone. He doesn't need any extra encouragement to get him to move. On his own, he'll decide to move. In this case, you do need extra encouragement because there's many Jews living together. So what does it help me that they nullify their property to one? You should still have to rent from the non-Jew to enable you to carry. Rabbi responded, Amalu, Rabbi responded to them, Because to nullify, just like you said, that it's not, it's not, it's not a normal scenario that a Jew would be living with a non-Jew mm -hmm. alone. It's not something that happens. So the rabbis don't have to worry about they things, don't things that don't for happen. One they don't issue a decree for things, for, for, not, for unlikely scenarios. Yeah, right, right. So this is also an unlikely scenario. There should be a group of Jews living together, and all the Jews should nullify themselves to property to one person, yeah. and he has a free pass, and they're all stuck. It's not exactly something that uh, happens every day. Yeah. So the rabbis don't have to make a decree in this case. So therefore, it does help. That in this case, it's one-to-one -one and you, you don't have to rent from the non-Jew. If the non-Jew is stubborn, refuses to rent, this is effective. That they can nullify the property to one and, um, and, and then it's one-to-one -one and the non-Jew can carry even without renting and getting permission from the non-Jew. 
The Gemara says, Azul Rav Huna B'Ed Rav Yeshua, Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua, he went, Amal Shmaitik Hamadir Rav, he told exactly what happened to Rav, what Abaya said, and how Abaya responded. Amalais, Rav said, Im Kain, if that's the case, we told the Titus Eid of Maisim Mavu. Then that Mavui, that alleyway, will never know the concept of a native. Because, yeah, because they don't need to make a native. They don't have to do anything. They don't need a native. They don't have have to rent. They don't have to do anything. So they're going to forget that that, that there's such a concept that you're not allowed to carry unless you make a native. The Ma'arvi, Ma'arvi. So so he said, no, they'll make a native just to remind, not because you need a native, to remind them that you have to make a native in general. So he said, no, you can't make a native. That's not an option. You can't tell them, make a native just to remind them so at least they should remember there's such a concept. Because Yemru, they'll say, they'll say that the native is what allows me to carry even though there's a non-Jew living in our midst. That an native held for a non-Jew that we included the, the non-Jew in the native. And of course, that's not true. An native doesn't, you can't include a non-Jew in the native. That's not effective. You need a, You have to rent from him. That's the only thing that works. Not an native and not nullification. But if you're going to make a native, people will confuse and say, you see, they made a native. And obviously a native helps, even if there's a non-Jew in your midst. So you better know, there's an answer to that too. The machrezinan. You'll make a declaration, you'll announcement. You'll make an announcement that we're making a native, not because we're including the non-Jew in the Eidah, we're making an Eidah just to remind us that there's such a concept of Eidah. Oh. So no one will make any confusion. Everybody says, no, that's not good enough. Why? How's that going to help the children? The next generation. The next generation, they're not going to remember what you announced. All they're going to remember is that we made a native and there was a non-Jew and for the rest of their life they're going to be living under the false impression, the fake news that that a native is good for non-Jews. So what's the answer? What should they do? The non-Jew refuses to rent for them. The only option they have, he refuses to cooperate with them. One of you should go and befriend this non-Jew. Come friendly with him. Go play with him. Go befriend him. Invite him for your barbecue. Befriend him. And then borrow from him a space. You need to become friendly. He says, can I borrow your space? Mm. So, and then, plus, set something down there. Uh, and can therefore... Can you? No, no, you put, no, 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 no. Put something there. Yeah. Use it, use it. The oh. Havale, now he becomes like his someone you hire for the year, like a handyman that you hire for the year, or you hire him for the season of harvesting. And and said the name of Shmuel, Afilu that even when you have to rent from a non-Jew, you don't have to rent from the owner. You even rent from, 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 from the doorman, the handyman, the worker. You give your aid and it's enough. It's enough. You don't need, you don't need anything else. <clears throat> what? This Yid becomes his worker? Yeah, so this Yid, now that he, he, he borrowed a space, and he's using it to place something there. Like a locker, like a like yeah, where exactly, you exactly. Like so now, so now he can, he can, he can. Uh, he could, could declare that's part of the yeah. All right, whatever. And he can nullify his space, right? Yeah. See, so he gives his share of the aid, and that's enough. 
It's can... like he's renting out. It's like the guy is renting out his space. Right, right. Does that work? Yeah. It works. What asks? So the Gemara asks. Oh, I'm gonna buy the Rabbi Yisuf. I buy the Rabbi Yisuf. How you shem chamisha schile? Hey, look at it. What if he had five Jewish uh, workers? Five, or five, 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 or five Jewish laborers that he hired for the harvest. Mao, what's the din? Are you going to say that you need all of them to participate in the edit? Because if you're saying that just being a worker is considered like you're like the owner, so it's like five Jewish owners. <laughs> so I need all of, all of them to participate. So I'm a lay. He said, We're not saying to be strict. We're not saying, didn't say that even the worker is considered like, uh, like the owner uh, to be strict. That if you have five Jewish workers, you need all of them to be included in the aid. No, of course not. They don't live there. They're just workers there. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, but he's just saying it to be lenient. That it's an, you don't need the owner. You can, it's enough to do the aid of with the worker, and then you're fine. You can since the worker is Jewish, you can include him in the aid of, and you're fine. And you don't need so the fact that other five are not part of it, the other four are not part of it. You only need one of them, and and, and they don't prohibit and everyone else. All all you need is a leniency that one of them is enough to include the house of the nun. Goof, I'm Rabbi Yudam Shmuel. So How wonderful is this Shmaitz? It's a wonderful, wonderful, ingenious, ingenious Allah. It's ingenious, excellent Allah. And then another thing Abu Damashmol says, if a person drinks like three ounces of wine, he shouldn't. He's not allowed to give a halachic decision. We're not talking about an obvious halachic. You don't have to. Make. It means you have to render <laughs> a decision. You have to think yeah. about it. Right? Confuse yeah. you to think. Question is, what kind of wine are we talking about? In the olden days, the wine was very toxic, very powerful. It was thick. It had to yeah. be watered down. Very yeah. t- right. It had to be watered down. So maybe he's only referring to that type of wine. You know, wine today is so watered down, so diluted. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not the same. Yeah. But the concept yeah. is, if you drink a certain amount of wine that intoxicates you. It confuses your thinking. You're not allowed to say halacha. And by the way, the rabbis in Eastern Europe, when they, they would they would immediately after they came home from shul, the rabbis would make the quickest seder the world has ever seen. Would make a quick seder. Yeah. They would take a nap. Because when people would come with questions about the seder after drinking yeah, yeah, four yeah, cups yeah. of wine, uh, he can't give a halacha. Uh, he can't give a plaque. Uh, <laughs> Any question that you have to think, it's not an obvious question, you know. So they would have to, they would, they would take right. a nap in order they should be, be present to answer any questions that would come up all night, you know, until minutes. It could be as large as 5.5 Well, that's one opinion, but our opinion is it's more, more like 3 or 2.9 ounces, oh. 3 <laughs> ounces, yeah. 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 So sure of them is. This, this he said, he said, Abu Dhamashmol said two things. One thing he said is wonderful. 
This he says, well, not so wonderful. Why? Until unless I have a drink, I can, my mind is not clear. I can I can't answer. I need a drink in order to answer, in order to perform. Okay, so I'm laid out. Office and office said to Shemachman, my time of Marochi. Why are you saying this? Why are you commenting? You're rating. Why are you rating? You're giving ratings to different words. This is a five star. This Tvartaira, ah, the rabbi hit home. This Tvartaira, not so good. Why are you doing that? It's not correct. Why? Amar Abacham Achanina Maidur Sivet says, "Roya Zaynus Yevet Hoyin." Whoever hangs out with prostitutes, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to lose all your money because you're going to spend all your money on the prostitutes. They're going to drain you. you you'll, you'll go bankrupt. So he says, "Kolayimus." Oh, but nevertheless, the word Zaynus is spelled with two vavs: Zayin vav, nun vav. So it's also coming to hint us at a different meaning. Zunah is like two different words. Zunah, this is nice. This, this, Vartaira is nice. I like it. Five star. This I don't like so much. You lose the wealth of Taira. In other words, it's not correct to say this is nice and this is not nice. So why do you go around saying and rating with this lab who the Mishmol says I like and this I don't like? Mm-hmm. He's not saying, listen, you disagree or disagree, but, but to go around saying, I like, I don't like, it's not correct. You're going to lose, you diminish the honor of the Torah. So I'm a lad, I regret it, you're right, you taught, it you taught me something. question is, we do find many places that this drush is no, this drush is uh, it's like a beautiful. So when, when do you say, When do you say that it is okay? And when do you say it's not okay? The more is going to define. Okay, whatever. So that, 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 that's a discussion. Well, here he's saying about the same. The same person is saying about the same rabbi. He's taking two statements. And he says, you know, this statement I like. This statement I don't like. So, okay. Talking about the um someone who drinks don't die you're not allowed to daven but if you went ahead and daven it's a kosher to fill you don't have to daven over again if you're drunk you're not allowed to daven and if you're davening is disgusting meaning you have to daven over again now he defines. What's the definition? What's the difference between drinking and drunk? They said goodbye to each other. They parted ways on the river of, on the bridge going over the river Yufti. They said each one of us say something that 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 that, that the other one hasn't heard, doesn't know. Say something in Torah. Because he said the name of of of, of that when you say goodbye to your friend, you should say goodbye from Alocha. You remember. So Pasachad, one of them opened his mouth and he said, I'll tell you the difference between someone who drinks and someone who's drunk. <laughs> 
Even though he drank, he can still compose himself. He can still speak respectfully to the king. Shikir is, he's so drunk, he can, even if he's standing in front of the king, and there's an awe, you're standing in front of the king, but he's so drunk that he just can't, he's mumbling and he's slurring. So then, how could you daven in front of Hashem? How can you stand in front of Hashem? Mm-hmm. So he's not allowed. But Taisus points out, this is only regarding davening. Brachis, however, even someone who's drunk has to bench, <laughs> has to say brachis. Brachis is not the same. When you bracha, you're thanking Hashem, but, but davening means you're standing in front of the king. Davening Shemonesri is literally standing in front of the king. You can't stand in front of the king when, 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 when you're drunk. You're shikr. You're not allowed to daven. And if you daven, it's disgusting. And if you daven, you have to daven over again. Pasach and the other one, said, okay, he has to give his dvar Torah. If someone got lucky, he like won the lottery. What do you mean he won the lottery? It was a ger. In Jewish law, a convert is like a newborn child. So he has no relatives. So let's say he's a billionaire. He has no relatives. So who inherits his land? It's, it's ownerless. There's no such thing as a Jew, a born Jew who doesn't have a relative. He has no children. He has a brother. He has a father. He has a grandfather. He has an uncle. All the way back to Yaakov. There's always a relative. You go all the way back. There's always a relative. But a, but a, but a, but a, but a non-Jew who converts has no relatives. Mm. So he could be a billionaire. He dies. Who gets his land? Mm. Not the government gets the land. First come, first serve. Whoever comes. And gets his property, gets his property. So suddenly a poor person walks into this property of this billionaire who died, no relatives, no heirs, and he, he gets it, he acquires it. Yeah. So everyone, everyone, it's very bad for your, like, uh, it's like people will look at him like, this person suddenly became rich, this person suddenly, you know, got a windfall. So people will look at him with a negative eye. So how do you protect yourself? Because because people are wondering, how did this person suddenly become so rich? He didn't earn it. Let him use the money and buy a Sefer Torah. So the merit of the Torah will protect him. We'll continue on the next page. A person who married rich. <laughs> he married an heiress. Also people will wonder, how does this guy who couldn't put two nickels together and now suddenly he moved to Park Avenue and he's, he's a multi-millionaire. So also the same thing, that to keep his wealth, to keep that wealth, he should do something good with it. Oh, wow. Buy a title with it. Oh, wow. Even if he did business and he was very successful in business, suddenly tremendously successful. Also, you don't want people wondering, here, here, the, 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 this, this, uh, all of a sudden he became wealthy, people will, you know, and therefore to have a schus, you need a schus to be able to ke- hold on to your wealth. So you should buy a Torah. Papa Amr, I feel the matzimetzi even if you find something in the street or you win the jackpot, you win the lottery. By the way, most people who win the lottery, in a few years they lose everything, it destroys their lives. You know, when suddenly you become very wealthy, you have to need a special schus, you should be able to hold on to it, you should be able to, it shouldn't destroy you. Really? Yeah. You lose it all? No, a lot of, that's the fact. They they lose it all and it destroys their lives. That guy in Jersey won 325 years ago and he, the very first player won the lottery. Well, he even wrote a book about his travails. Right. Yeah, said, I feel the cost of You don't. It's not. You don't need to buy a tailor. It's very expensive to buy a tailor. Even if you even if you write tefillin, buy a pair of tefillin. Also, it also does the trick. We see many places tefillin and a tailor like are like equivalents. 
says if you have to take an oath, if you take an oath, you have to hold a Torah. If you don't have a Torah, a Talmud Chacham can hold on to his tefillin. So his tefillin is also, also does the trick. Now you can keep this Torah and tefillin for yourself. Yeah, it doesn't say. Yeah, the schus, the schus of the schus. Where do we learn this? What's the source for this? That doing a mitzvah helps you retain your wealth, your suddenly found wealth, sudden found wealth. Let's see if it says, when a Amalek, who's dressed like a rod, attacked the Yidin, right before they went there to Israel, they waged war and they promised, they made a neder, that they're going to give the spoils, they're going to give to Hashem, they're going to give like to Hashem, they're going to uh, make it sacred. So therefore, uh, that merit, they were able to acquire this tremendous, tremendous mm-hmm. possession. Oh, so one of the most obvious things from that passage is say, give stock of your money. <clears throat> well, there was hectic. They, they promised it to Hashem. It wasn't stock per se, it was giving it to Hashem, sacred. So something kaidish. So too, tefillin is kaidish. The tefillin itself is holy. The Torah itself, that's why he brings the proof from that. He says, what's the raya in the passage? So, so he says, they're going to make it sacred, something sacred, something that's godly. The thing itself is godly. Traveling, meal, and waiting the time it takes to travel a meal, which is like 18 minutes, some say 24 minutes, with shina and sleep, calls you a little nap, if a person drinks a levias and he's intoxicated, how do you get over, how do you become sober? How do you, how do you, how do you get over the uh, hangover? Yeah. So he says, either walk or wait or take a nap. A small, uh, it could be a minute nap, a, you know, it could be a quick nap. This only helps if you drank exactly a levias. If you drink more, then the walking will only make you even more confused and, mm-hmm. and discombobulated. It will only exacerbate your problem. And sleeping will make you even more drunk. Oh, that's it. You know, walking, he doesn't talk about walking, but he says, I'm, I'm, I'm saying walking and shena, but with waiting... Waiting a meal. Um, no, derech mil. It's one thing. Traveling a mil. Dissipate. Traveling a mil. Derech mil v'shena. Traveling the distance of one mil. Which is which is which is yeah yeah. So he says these two things is only 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 if you actually drank only the revias. If you drink more than the revias, it only exacerbates the problem. Now the Gemara has, and even the revias, walking a meal um, removes the intoxication of the wine. He was riding on a donkey. He was riding from Aku, traveling to Kziv. The city of Kziv. Rabbi Loi was walking, walking behind him. He found a nice uh, loaf of bread in the way, on the highway. Amalei, Rabbi said, Eloi, pick it up from the road. There's a food on the road. You're not allowed to leave food lying around. Uh, you know, pick it up. But he wasn't allowed to eat it. He, he found another non-Jew, a Malay. 
So Gamliel says, Magboy, he called his name, Magboy. Take, 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 take this loaf of bread. Meiloi, take it from Meiloi. So Nitapel Rabbi Loi, Rabbi Loi followed. He followed after giving loaves of bread. Rabbi Loi approached, approached Rabbi Gamliel. Amalei Mehechanat. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He he approached the non-Jew. Amalei Mehechanat. Where are you from? Amalei Mayorish. So Burgen. I live. I live in these. In these. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm like a nomad. You know the. Um, huts. Yeah, these huts. Mashmach, what's your name? Mabgoi Shmini. My name is Mabgoi. He says, Have ever met Gamliel ever in your life? We never met before. I never met him before. But I used to that moment, we learned to keep an Gamliel a divine inspiration. How would in the world did he know his name? He calls him by his name, never saw him in his life. Wow. But Rabbi Gamliel had divine inspiration. <laughs> He's a holy rabbi. The Talmudic rabbis are holy rabbis. They're not just brilliant minds. They're holy people. Right. He looked, took one look at the guy and he knew his name. He called him <laughs> Mabgoy. Taisus says even though Mabgoy was a quite a common name, but still, not everyone was called Mabgoy. He just knew. Not he was guessing. He took a wild guess. He says probably his name was wrong. No, he knew. Right, it was a story with the Rebbe. The Rebbe was once, uh, you know, like rebuking the the yeshiva boys, the bachrim, and for And he said, and he said, and he, t- and he turned to one of the bachrim and he said, and, and you didn't even say till him this Shabbos mavarchim, this Shabbos bereishis, Shabbos mavarchim. You didn't even you didn't even finish till him this morning. And if you ask me, how do I know? I see it on your forehead. <laughs> you didn't, oh, you didn't finish till him. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> I see it on your face. You didn't say till him. You didn't finish till him this morning. <laughs> So the, the holy rabbis had divine inspiration. Right? It gives you the chills when 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 you when you read this. Okay. Yeah, and we learn three halachas. Lamadnu we learn You can't pass by food. Food is underlying on the floor. You can't just ignore it. You have to pick it up. Well, lamadnu we learn because you, you you can't abuse food. Lamadnu he told a lawyer to pick it up, but he didn't tell him to eat it, didn't allow him to eat it, because I don't know where the bread came from. Since most of the people passing by on this road in Akko and Ksiv were non-Jews, so you can assume it fell from a non-Jew, and Jews is not allowed to eat bread from a non-Jew. we learn, that even if the guy baked it on Pesach, but since it belonged to the non-Jew, so a Jew is allowed to benefit from it after Pesach because bread from a Jew that violated Pesach, even after Pesach, when it's no longer prohibited to eat bread, the rabbis say not only aren't you allowed to eat from the bread, you're not allowed to even benefit from the bread. But if it uh, belongs to a non-Jew, it's no problem. A non-Jew doesn't have to keep Pesach. Hmm. So even though he baked it on Pesach, he can benefit from it. Wow. How, how did he benefit from it? By giving Mabgoy, by giving him the food. Now he's gonna, he, he, uh, you, you're gonna be his best friend for the rest of his life. You know, you, you did him a favor. You gave, you gave him a nice, expensive, nice, uh, delicious uh, loaf. Forever, he's he's indebted to you. Right. So you're benefiting from it. So a Jew is allowed to benefit from uh, chametz uh, that of a non-Jew that uh, passed was baked on Pesach. <clears throat> Taisus asked another question. There's a prohibition, you can't just give a free gift to a non-Jew. 
but but if it's a non-Jew that you recognize, you are allowed to a friend. But here, Rabbi Gamaliel never met him in his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he says, but since he was traveling with them, and the way you know when you travel with people, you become very friendly very quickly. You make instant friendships. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like someone you know all your life. Mm-hmm. That's the nature. When you travel, you become very friendly with whoever you're traveling with. You. Okay. So Rashi you got someone you know, not someone you don't know. Well, yeah. Rashi has a different opinion. No, no, no. He, he it, it actually doesn't discuss the, this question of. No, fourteen. The bleisachanim. Oh, that what? No, he's explaining why why he's he's benefiting, and if he wasn't allowed to benefit, he would not be allowed to give it to the nandru. Okay. Doctor Gemar, Kivan quite a journey. A lot was happening on this journey. Gamliel arrived in Siv, but Someone came to he want he regretted his oath that he made. He came to the you can come to the wise man. Who can uh, um, nullify, uh, permit the oath, undo the oath? Did we drink? Didn't we just drink uh, Italian wine? He said yes. So he says, "Imkain, if that's the case, so I can I can do it now. I'm not in the position. I'm intoxicated." <laughs> so let him walk, follow us. Until uh, the intoxication is removed, until we we, we get over the the hangover, mm-hmm. and he he walked. They walked for three million, three million, six thousand am, which is nine thousand feet, right? Like a, a mile and a half. Until they reach the northernmost part of Israel, like a ladder goes up. The tour, Yoda, we were there, one of our trips. Yoda, Rabbi Gamliel, Menachemoyer. Gamliel went down from his donkey, Menesatev, he put on his talus, Yoshev, and he sat, and then he listened to him, and he he permitted him, he undid his vow. And he said, the Gemara says, We learned many, many things at that moment. We learned, we learned, the Revius of Italian wine <laughs> is very intoxicating, makes you drunk. We learned Shikr, someone who's drunk, someone who's drunk cannot, cannot give a, a, a verdict. A rabbi can't give a verdict when he's drunk. We learned traveling uh, removes, removes the, the intoxication, the hangover. We also learn you can't nullify a vow. Not while you're riding. Not while you're walking. Not while you're standing. He says he sat down. Done. Okay. So, but Tanim is what do we see from there? Shleishes milin. He walked three mil. You said that it's enough to walk derech mil. One mil is enough to remove the intoxication. Italian wine is different. It makes you more intoxicated. It's very strong wine. So one mil is not enough. Mm-hmm. You need three mil in order to remove that intoxication. 
Like the Gemara of Amr of Nachman of Avua, Leishanol Shashasa Deviyas. Only if he drank a Deviyas. Our Shashasa Yosem Deviyas. But if he drank more than a Deviyas, Kolshgen Derech. Walking a mill won't help you. On the contrary, it'll make it. It'll make you even more. Conf- it'll make you even more intoxicated, more confused, and, and discombobulated. Also, sleeping won't help you if you drink more than a mil. So, what's the question? He only drank, he only drank a Revius. Well, We're saying it's more, right? Revius here is stronger. So, a Revius of wine, Italian wine is, more, is like more, like regular wine, more than a Revius. So, what does it help to walk? Riding is different. Walking is one thing. Walking makes you more drunk. But riding, he was he was on a donkey. He was riding, whatever. He was an animal. Riding, riding does help. It doesn't make you. It doesn't uh, confuse you more. Now that you're coming to the answer that riding is different, you don't have to ask the question why. You don't have to say it was Italian wine. Why did he have to have walk three mil? He's saying riding, walking is enough. Maybe it was regular wine. It wasn't Italian. Mm. I mean, yeah, it was regular wine. I mean, it was it was the same as regular wine. But but. Um, Meaning, it could go both ways. Either wine, either riding will take it off easier. Right, but but uh, but you need to ride to walk is eighty mil. But to ride, you have to you have to ride a little longer. You know, it's a certain time. It's a certain time. You need a certain time to pass. You know, you're going to ride. Three mil. Right, three mil. To ride, it takes three mil. That you nullify the oaths. Whether you're going. Whether you're standing, whether you're riding, you don't have to sit down. So why did Aram Lil sit down? It's an argument between Tanoi and Because there is an opinion that holds. So first we'll go with Rashi. Rashi says, that in order to nullify an oath, you have to find a, 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 a place where he would, re- why he would regret ever making the oath. Because if I had the information I have now, I would never, ever, my life ever made this oath. You have to uproot the whole underlying assumption, the whole reason why you would even make this approach. Wow. So according to that, you have to sit down. You have to evaluate. You know, you have to really sit down. The rabbi has to sit, and you have to really get into it and say, would you really find a real reason that why you, are you really regret? Because if you can't just regret from now on, you know, I'm I'm very happy I made the oath, but now it's not convenient for me. That doesn't work. You have to say, I would never have made the oath in the first place had I known. Only then does it work. So you have to really evaluate and find a real reason that he's truly regretful for ever making, making this oath. So you, you can't do it while you're standing or while you're passing through. You have to sit down and really... But according to the opinion that says, according to Rashi, the rabbi has the power, the chacham, the wise man has the power to uproot it just so. He doesn't need any reason. I uproot it. I'm uprooting your oath. I have that power. So then he can do it on the spot. He can just ride by. That's how Rashi learns. Mm. Taiswa says no. There's no such opinion that a Chacham could, uh, could, uh, could uproot. This is without having a tongue. 
Yeah, yeah, just stamina develops, stamina develops the right. This is to establish a halacha. Yeah. That's why they're right. going into So he says, according to Taisvis, according to Taisvis, and most Rishon disagree. Yeah. The reason is, he makes a distinction. So Taisvis says, it's the exact opposite. Paisim Becharatim means, you ask him, do you regret? You regret that you made an oath? And he says, yes, and that's enough. You don't need anything more. And Gabriel says, no. It's not enough to say, I regret. Hmm. You have to find an opening, a door. You have to say that, that you would never have made it in the first place. Not that you made it and you regret it. But if, had you known or had been a certain circumstance, you would never, ever, mm-hmm. even ever have made it in the first place. So that, you have to think how to find something that's genuine, to say, tell him something that's real, that had he really, had, that, had, had he been in that position, he would never, ever have... According to this opinion, not personal Kharata, he's actually stricter. Exactly, exact opposite. Okay. So that you can do, you can do it even even by the fly. Ain't That's I'm gambliel. He says no, don't. You have to have you have to have a pesach. There's a difference in charata or 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 a pesach. Charata means I I, I regret. So according to Taisu, there's, there's, there's no, you can't just nullify it. You can't just uproot it just with no reason. The difference is, Charata and Pesach, Charata means, yes, I made a nether, and now I regret it. Not, I, not from now on I regret it. That, that, that doesn't help. Words, I'm happy I made a nether, but now it's not convenient for me anymore. So now I want to, no, I regret that I made a nether. Fine. Pesach is much more than that. Pesach is, you have to come up with a scenario where you would never have done it in the first place. Not now I regret it. I regret that I ever did it. But you have to come up, would there be a scenario where you can't even picture yourself, I would never, if this would have happened, I would never ever have made the net. Unless you come up with that scenario that you would never have done it. Here he says, I did it. Mm-hmm. And then, now I regret it. Mm-hmm. You really have to think about it. Right. But you have to come up with a scenario where, in other words, then, back then, would you have, have done it? So you have, you have to think of a scenario. When you regret it, even though you're regretting not just going forward, you regret that you did it, it's like you have to go into the, the inner self to come Right, so it. even though when you regret it, when it's you regret something in the past, the you regret that you did it, but you could understand, yeah, I, I did it, and I, I probably would have done it, but, but, I, but I regret it. Now I regret it. I regret what I did. But here you have to, you have to picture that, that if this would happen, I would never have done it. You're going deeper. 
The regret was, yes, I did it, and now I realize I made a mistake, fine. But it's not enough. I regret it, I made a mistake. Made a mistake. I did it, I made a mistake. You have to find a way where you would never have made that mistake in the first place. Hmm. It has to be a scenario where you would never have made that mistake. Like mistaken information, you didn't know, isn't that the most common thing? You didn't understand what what was going to happen if you took this nether. No, that, no, that, no, that's why you regret it. That's regret. It's not enough. Well, had you known then but, all the, what it actually means, what you're saying, you would have never done it. You well, said something you didn't know what you were saying. Well, that's regret. I don't think that that's enough. Pesach means, like he says, if, if, Ten people would come, Rabbi If ten people would come and 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 convince you not to, would you would you have done it? In other words, there has to be a, a type of scenario where it really affected your your emotion. Or it affected your. You would never have done it. I mean, obviously, I mean, every regret, if I would have known, then would have known. Not only the outcome. So what, that's should. regret. I mean, I'm so, why am I sorry I did it? Because No, because I understood like, the Chacham, like in our case, say, how, did you know that the Dharm are, are for real? Or did you realize when you took this nether, uh, you know, this is what it entails? You say, I know I know what it entails. I didn't realize what I'm saying. I touched him on the side. Yeah. So that's called, that's called the Pesach. Like, I didn't know. It's like going... Like Rabbi Akiva's father-in-law, right? Had he known that Rabbi Akiva would be a Tamil would have never made the thing. He was mistaken information. It's like going was, really far into your past, you know, where uh, you screwed up or something like that. And so... Uh, um, you know, it, it, it's really a compelling uh, argument, you know, uh, change, not that, it, I don't know, in some cases it like changes your whole personality, you know, your whole perspective. Yeah. It's like really going into... So the difference in Charata and, and, and the Pesach is, Charata is, I regret it. I regret that I ever made the net. If I would have known uh, then what I know now, I would never in a million years have made it. So that's clear. That's simple. Mm-hmm. You don't need. You don't need, There's nothing to. There's nothing to discuss. The rabbi doesn't have to sit and 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 There's nothing to. Okay, you regret it. It's over and finished. Period. So it's very easy. So you matter the nether, you undo it, and you you know it, and it's, you can go further. Pesach means, no, I got a benefit from the nether. I don't regret it. I, I'm very happy I made the nether. There's a reason I made the nether. Hmm. But you want to undo the nether. You can't just undo it. Well, now it's inconvenient. So now I want to, it doesn't work. So you have to find the Pesach. Pesach means an opening. There's a wall in the way. You have to find an opening. What's the opening? That if there would have been a scenario that would have caused you not to make the oath and to sacrifice the benefit that you would have had. Yes, you made an oath because there's a benefit for you. There's a reason why you made the oath. Let's say they were pressuring you to marry someone, you to marry off your daughter to someone, and you don't want to marry. So you made an oath, I'm never ever going to... 
an oath. I'm not allowed to. I'm never going to marry one. So th- you got a benefit from it. There's a reason you made it, and you're very happy that you made it. But now, for whatever reason, you want to undo it. Maybe in the meanwhile, they became billionaires. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> so you can't say, well, from now, it's not convenient. That's, that, that, that doesn't do it. A, net, a chacham could only uproot it from the beginning. You can't nullify it. He's not a father. He's not a husband. You can't nullify it from going forward. You have to uproot the whole thing. But you were very happy with your nether. Now circumstances change. From now on, it's inconvenient. Now you want to change it. You can't do that. So a Pesach means you have to find a door. You have to find an open. Find a scenario where despite the benefit that you would have had from the nether, you're ready to sacrifice that benefit for, for something else. As we said, if there were 10 people who came and convinced you and convinced you and tried to speak to you, we think you should marry this person. You know what? You would, have, you would have sacrificed the benefit. You would have sacrificed the benefit. And then in that scenario, you would not have made a nether. Because there was something else that, 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 would, that was overriding it. There was another consideration that, that would, would override that other benefit that I had and that consideration which compelled me to make the nether. Then I would not have made the nether, even though it was for my, for my good. So there has to be something that overrides that. So that, that takes a lot of... That, the, the, the rabbis to sit down and think about it. Okay. My Pesach laid Am Gamliel Ugabra. How did he how did Am Gamliel open up? What was his opening? He told him Yeshbaita what he told him was, he quoted the verse. It says in the Pasuk, it says in Proverbs, there's speech, someone's speech that damages. Someone expresses himself. It does damage like the piercing of a sword. But the language of wise men heal. Anyone who declares a vow deserves to be pierced with a sword. Making a vow is a terrible thing. Maybe you won't be able to, to fulfill the commitment. Even when you do a good thing, you say, you don't, you don't take a vow lightly. Even if you plan to do something good, you're yeah. careful. Because if you, if you violate it, you, you get punished. So he asked, had you known that it's prohibited to make a vow? And whoever does is worthy to deserves to die. Would you have made the vow? Hmm. You'd never have made that. It would have overridden. See, even, see, even though you had a reason to make the vow and you were happy to make the vow, it's not that you regret it. But now on, now it became inconvenient. Now, now you want to change it going forward. So he says... But, but if you would have known how dangerous it is to make a vow that, that you deserve to die, then you would have overridden your compulsion to make the vow. You would have sacrificed your benefit that, you, that the mm. vow would give you. You would never have made the vow. That's an opening. So therefore, uh, so, and that's how he permitted him, he, he, uh, he was matted in that. Okay. What does it mean uh, he sat down to concentrate? To concentrate, to found, find an opening. You have to find an opening. Oh. To, to, yeah. to, to, that, uh, Everything right. you just said. Yeah, exactly. 
This is only true in the older, early generation. Shame Bnei Yisrael produces bikshafim, that the Jewish women were not uh, were not open to, to to magic and to all these uh, mm-hmm. black magic and black arts. But in our generation, Bnei Yisrael produces bikshafim avidim. Leave the bread alone because who knows? Maybe they did. Uh, they, it's on the floor because uh, they used it for their black arts, for their black magic. Even though we said it's uh, it's mostly non-Jews, it's and they found it on the road. He doesn't mean only Jews, of course, and non-Jews for sure. But he, I'm saying even 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 Jews became uh, open, open to this as to yeah. sorcery. Zafigimbar says, "Tatana shleimin mavirim sisne mavirim." So he answered, "Shleimin mavirim only whole bread. They only do sorcery with whole bread." Sisin ain't mavin, but if it's broken up bread, ain't mavin. That you don't do sorcery on. So therefore, it was broken, and that's why he told him to pick it up. That's what I'm going to leave. Told to pick it up. You don't have to worry that they use it for sorcery. They don't do sorcery on broken bread. It says a pasuk and ichaskel, but that they desecrated. They desecrated. My name, you desecrated me before the nations, Bishali Satan, with a handful of barley, Ubipsaisi with pizza bread. They used it for 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 sorcery. So you see that sorcery is practiced even with broken bread. So how did Rabbi Gamliel allow Rabbi Lloyd to pick it up? And why did he tell him to pick up from the road? What did the Shakli No, that's not what the Pasuk means there. It doesn't mean they do the broken, they use the broken bread for sorcery. Really, as we learned, you only do sorcery with full bread, whole bread. But they use the, the broken bread to pay them. Their payment. Yeah. They used to pay the sorcerers. <laughs> it was taken by the sorcerers as payment. They took the broken bread as a payment. Interesting, we see though that even the regular times of the festival they were doing, which is before Shimba Yechari, but I guess. Yeah, but it wasn't widespread. It wasn't widespread. It was rampant. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day to be continued tomorrow.